the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes, because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. And welcome to Education America, where we are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Come along with us here on AM 1280 The Patriot every Saturday night, right here at 6 o'clock sharp, where K-12 education is the playing field. And as the 16th President Abraham Lincoln so rightly stated, he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. I'm Mark Durkin, joined again by my co-host and founder of Liberty Classical Academy, Rebecca Hegstrom. Yep, good evening. Good to see you again. Nice to see you again as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. We are now in the middle of April. The time is moving quickly, is it not? Yes, it sure is. Yep. Absolutely. Well, with it being the middle of April, we have in a very important event that is rapidly approaching. In fact, the one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to education has really been an unmitigated disaster. And a look at the recent Minnesota report card will show that the widening achievement gap that exists between white students and students of color continues to grow. Now, combine all of this with students exposed to years of low-level education, low expectations from staff, and various levels of unaddressed trauma, and you have countless young people who are inadequately prepared for the challenges that life will present. Mm -hmm. The Exodus Minnesota Organization, they are a grassroots organization that is building a coalition of community champions, academic professionals, and business leaders to help ignite a transformation within the black community by embracing the core principle of America, that is the belief of hard work, education, faith, family, and free enterprise in the personal pursuit of dreams that can be realized by anyone regardless of race or social standing. Yes, that's right. And our guests tonight are working hard to empower and inspire Minnesota families to take control of their children's education. Um, Next Saturday, April 23rd, they will be speaking at the Alternative Education Expo, and that's a gathering that will help direct families to education alternatives that ultimately respect the values and beliefs of families. That's so important, right? All the while providing encouragement for families wishing to remove their children from the public school system. Two of the speakers for the upcoming expo are joining us tonight. Oradola Taylor is here in studio, and Alfreda Baldwin joins us by phone. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Education America. Thank you for having us. 
Yes, thank you. Yes. Well, let's start by familiarizing our audience with your grassroots organization. Now, you're both involved with two grassroots organizations. One is Exodus Minnesota, and that's the group that's sponsoring this expo. But then you're also part of Take Charge Minnesota with Kendall Qualls and Sheila Qualls. And so share with our listeners your various backgrounds and why the organizations exist and what issues as they pertain to education, are you all passionate about? Maybe start with you, Oradola. Okay, sure. Well, we all kind of came coalesced around the issue of education. Um, we met probably about five years ago, although some of us have known each other longer. Mm-hmm. And usually at events, talking about education or issues in the black community or things of that nature. And so over the years, we kind of formed a, a group together and just started seeing the issues that we were having in, in our families with our kids or in our grandkids. And so we wanted to help other parents kind of navigate what we're, you know, and, and find solutions to what we had experienced. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we formed the Exodus um, MN. Okay. And when, I think you, did you say it was five years ago you came together? Yes. Did you say yes. that at the I beginning? Okay. Formed, okay. Okay. Formed okay. The group, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So long before CRT was becoming the big talk of the nation, right? You guys saw the writing on the wall Long before Absolutely. many people did. Yes, I had experienced this in the St. Paul Public Schools in like 2013, 2014, 2015. Mm-hmm. We saw all these things happening, the cuts of the, to the schools of programs, putting in all these weird things. They were talking about equity. We're like, what's this equity stuff? Yeah. And, you know, black and Hispanic parents thinking, what is all this about? <laughs> and so It's there to help yes, you. exactly. <laughs> and of course, things have gotten worse mm-hmm. as, as the years have gone by. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Elfrida, can you also address for our listeners your various your background as well, and then kind of what you're passionate about with respect to these two organizations? Sure. Yeah, so I, quite honestly, wake up every morning astonished to find that I am a activist because <laughs> uh, for the majority of my life, I was just minding my own business, practice law uh, for 30-some years and retired and started volunteering in our public schools. And uh, this is back in 2014, and uh, already then, it didn't have a name, at least that I knew of, but I was just seeing some strange things going on with mm-hmm. black kids not being disciplined, with um, just not expectations of, of um, producing quality work. And I'm like, what is going on here? Because mm-hmm. the world I grew up in was black parents emphasized faith, family, and education, mm-hmm. and um what was going on in the schools and then all of the CRT stuff bubbling up, I personally had decided the problem was something had gone very badly wrong in black culture. Mm. And Kendall Qual started Take Charge about mm-hmm. a year or so ago mm-hmm. because he, too, saw that there was something that had gone wrong mm-hmm. uh, with black culture. Not that racism doesn't exist, but that that is not the root cause of these disparities mm-hmm. um, in income and in education. It really is because we've abandoned the culture that my parents and uh, others of us, parents and grandparents raised us in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm passionate about trying to wake up black America in particular to understand that um, in order to have a stable society and a thriving society, you have to emphasize faith, family and education. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, oh, so and I, just the legacy I was given by my parents was just a reverence for education and the idea that each generation would do better than the other. Mm-hmm. You don't do that unless you have a solid education. That's right. That's right. And that is one of the biggest 
uh, roadblocks right now mm-hmm. is yes yeah that they're not receiving that mm-hmm. right and speaking of roadblocks uh, unfortunately we see a lot of those at the legislature and yes. I just want to revisit for a moment back last year in 2021, to both organizations mm-hmm. dismayed, the final funding bill to come out of that session did not include funding for the education savings accounts. And mm-hmm. uh, just to remind our listeners, ESAs would have allowed money to follow children if their families decided to pull their children out of public school, and school districts would still have received the same amount of funding as if their child were still attending. Mm-hmm. So let's now fast forward to this year's legislative session. Alfreda, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with you. You know, what types of legislation have you heard that are being discussed in the legislature this year as it pertains to school choice? And is your organization still working with legislators to advocate something similar to ESAs in this year's legislative session? Well, um, I have not been paying as close attention to this issue recently um as i had last year mm-hmm. um i'm i guess i was discouraged by the outcome sure. and um as much as i would love there to be a governmental answer um i've just decided to focus somewhere else but i know that take charge is very still very committed to the the idea of school choice and i do believe um a bill was just uh recently introduced um, in the House, and then I think there's a companion in the Senate um, that would authorize education savings accounts for children who are students at underperforming schools. Okay. Um, and so I, I have pulled up the legislation this morning, and it looks like an underperforming school would be one where um, fewer than 60% of students are proficient in either reading or math, mm-hmm. um, as, as measured by the Minnesota um, Comprehensive Assessment, the MCAs. Um, so I, I can see why this um, legislation would be um, appealing, because one of the big pushbacks is ESAs are only going to help rich people send their kids to private school. Mm-hmm. Well, I would guess that most rich people don't have their children in underperforming schools. Mm-hmm. Right. So this this really would get to that population of students and parents who are trapped in failing schools. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, agreed. And I know that they are looking for ways kind of around that criticism. And, and you're right that that one would certainly help. And, right. um, and they are the students that need the help the most in the quickest fashion. <laughs> you know, we, we don't right. have time to waste every year that goes by that they're in a failing school is another year that they are not learning. And yeah, and it becomes cumulative. You know, the yeah, more absolutely. years that they have like that, it's just yeah. at a certain point you can't uh, overcome it. Right. I also think there's legislation, and maybe Ordola can speak more to this. I think there's some edu- uh, legislation around ESAs for students who have um, special needs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. So I, I don't know that much about it, but one of our friends has been testifying uh, about that legislation. So I don't know, Ordola, you want to chime in? Yeah, I know a little bit, not much myself, but um, I guess I, you know, from what my understanding with the, the legislative process, it's not a funding year, but I guess right. bills are can be introduced and hopefully it becomes if they become funded yes. um, at a different year. But this one, you know, the ESAs, um, the, the the money that the parents can access would be for special needs therapists, different services that you need for your child that's not in a, you know, traditional school or, or mm-hmm. that needs non traditional services. Mm-hmm. So you know, a lot of um, um, special people with special needs kids have a difficult time finding services. And and if you've 
got oh they they spend tons out of pocket right. you know whether right. you're even if you're rich it still yes. becomes you know cost prohibitive so this mm-hmm. will at least help you get some of your tax dollars and you can use that for that end yeah okay that's great mm-hmm. that's that's good to hear yeah. Um, the Exodus Minnesota is very proactive in working to shrink um, the very large proficiency gap that exists between black and white students in Minnesota public schools. Um, and we were just kind of talking about that and the need for ESAs as a result. Um, but could you both take a few minutes to highlight how wide the proficiency gap is between, say, fourth grade students in both math and reading to give our listeners an idea of just how dire the achievement gap really is. You know, they say underperforming is less than 60%. Well, we have students performing way below that in Minneapolis and even in St. Paul. So maybe you could talk about that. Whoever, Whichever one of you feels more comfortable addressing that issue, I don't know. Um, well, I was just looking at the data, um, and people may not know that you can actually go out to something called a Minnesota report card, and mm-hmm. you can look at the test results across the state, uh, school district by school district, school by school, broken down by race, uh, free and reduced lunch, you name it. So if you take fourth graders um, in 2019 um, in math, mm-hmm. uh around 75% of white students were proficient mm-hmm. as compared to around 34% of black students. Which is appalling. That's appalling. Mm-hmm. And in reading... And unacceptable, um, too. Right. In reading, around 65% of white students were proficient as compared to 30% of black students. Uh, again, um, unacceptable. And, you know, we don't we talk about black students, but, you know, Hispanic students aren't doing very much better. No. The gap between Asians and white students is less. But the interesting thing about Asian students is that's all Asians. It's people from India. It's people from Southeast Asia. I mean, so who knows if you drill down to specific populations what that gap is. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But as far as the black-white gap, it is is truly appalling. And then if you look at what happened to test scores following COVID, so we didn't have testing in 2020. Mm -hmm. We looked at 2021. Everybody's scores have gone down mm-hmm. across yep. the board. Yep. It was a horrendous year for all students, not just mm-hmm. the black community. But unfortunately, I believe the minorities were hit even harder than um, the white students were or the, the you know, I, and not even just by race. I think it was also economic um, yes. divides. So Right. Yeah. It's interesting to look at the data when you look at free and reduced lunch. Yeah. Uh, Income is definitely at play mm-hmm. in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, and when you consider so many kids were online, the public schools, many of them were not committed to trying to meet in person. So they were online. Right. And then when you consider, um, you know, free and reduced lunch kids, many of those parents are probably still trying to work. So the kids are at home. They're either not signing on to their classes or they are unable to get the help that they need mm-hmm. to really understand the work and get it turned right. in. I mean, you have to understand technology to turn in work mm-hmm. through a computer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember going out to to lunch with my sisters and mom in fall of 2020 when many schools were still online. And 
there was a little, probably second grade child on a laptop sitting in a booth, and I we we gathered that that child's parent was working at the restaurant, <laughs> and you know, mom or dad didn't have anybody to leave that child with at home, so they brought her right. to work or him to work, and. You know, the child was trying to figure all this out alone. I mean, the, the parent wasn't with him, you know. So this is one child out of out of hundreds of thousands across our right. country. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, I've been in classrooms where um, kids were doing stuff online as part of their reading rotation or whatever. And just it was painful watching even fourth graders try to just get logged on, let alone navigate uh-huh. a website. And I can't imagine what it was like during that whole shutdown. It yeah. was yeah. a disaster. And it shows yeah. in the data, yeah. the test data. So sad. You know, after every legislative session, uh, you know, we hear of more money that is ultimately going to be given to more of Minnesota's public schools, which continuously increases the cost per student. And what we've seen is that giving more money has not solved the achievement gap problem. In fact, if you compare Mm -hmm. the cost per student, uh, minority population graduation rates among minority students who attend private schools, this paints a very different picture when it comes to the success of students in Minneapolis, for example. So we'll we'll start with you here, Aradala. You know, can you share with our listeners some of some of the statistics that affirm the overwhelming success that students are enjoying? when they're given private school options in many Minnesota's inner cities. Yeah, we, we compared um, Hope Academy and Crystal Ray, and mm-hmm. um, I think it was maybe a year or so ago, they were their tuition is about 12000 Maybe it's gone up a, a bit now, mm-hmm. maybe thirteen. Um, compared to the Minneapolis School District. And their population, I should say Hope and Crystal Ray, have about a 95 or, you know, minority population. They're 95%. about 95%. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have um, Minneapolis Public School, they maybe have a 60%, 70% minority population, mm-hmm. and they are getting maybe about 25000 I'm sure it's even more, yeah. per pupil. Um, and so mm-hmm. for, for, for less than half of that, those schools are graduating, Crystal Ray, Hope Academy are graduating 99%, 98th percentile. Mm-hmm. And Wonderful. this is with a much higher standard. So, so Minneapolis Public School to kind of skew the data, they've lowered right. their, their graduation have. standards, and they mm-hmm. continue to lower their graduation standards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure soon they'll take out math. <laughs> you yes. know, you, you right. may not have to yeah. do anything to graduate. Yeah. Yeah. But that's how they skew. So they claim to have a 70% graduation rate, while these others have, for half the price, are graduating at 98, 99, wow. and a lot of the kids pursuing higher education. Yeah, who actually have the skills to be able to do so. Exactly. Yes. And mm-hmm. succeed in those, in those yeah. higher education institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this kind of information, of course, that's being passed along to others in the process of educating from the grassroots level. It's, it's certainly uh, coming uh, against the political hurdles that we're seeing that are stopping uh, helping Minnesota families explore other schooling options. And so in an effort to educate Minnesotans on how they can become empowered to take control of their children's education, the Exodus Minnesota is hosting the Alternative Education Expo. Mm -hmm. This is going to be next week, April the 23rd. Let's spend the rest of our time together here discussing the topics that the speakers are going to address at the Expo. What are some of the main reasons why families, first of all, may be apprehensive in, say, removing their children from the public school system? Well, 
cost. Yes. Uh, cost <laughs> is one of the big mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we also did Exos. We pushed the, to, to um, move the ESAs forward because we understand, apparent, you know, families, low-income families particularly, need the funding. Mm-hmm. But, um, but we want to have, you know, show parents that there's a lot of options. There's, um, mm-hmm. there's homeschooling. There's co-ops. There's micro-schools. There's all sorts of options that people may not be aware of. A lot of um, private schools also offer scholarships um, or, you know, different programs to make it affordable. Um, and I've, I've kind of gotten there myself. For years, I didn't have my kids in, in, in private schools, but now I have two of the three in private schools. And I just, you figure it out. You know, mm-hmm. there's there, the private schools want to help. The co-ops want to help. The, you know, various things. And so at the expo, we want to talk about um, what are the options out there and what might fit your budget. Oh, you know, different things. What, what are different people doing? Curriculum. Um, what are the different organizations that you could partner with? Um, so, so we just want parents to be aware that there sure. are options and that you're not stuck at the public school. Right. Yeah. It's so important. You're right that that is the number one uh, thing that dissuades people, I think. And I know you kind of touched on this just in your last answer here, but um, as I'm thinking about our listeners, you know, perhaps there's people listening tonight that have thought extensively about a non-public or a private school o- option, but... Mm-hmm that perception of affordability is enough to discourage them. Mm-hmm. Um, in your research of private schools, what are some of the things that you tell families that are on the fence to dissuade them from this kind of thinking? There's some specific things that you've done, and then even the two schools you mentioned, some of the things that they do. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, I can. in the example of Crystal Ray, they have a, a, a work program where the the students work outside of the the, the school um, mm-hmm. for for corporations or enterprises or local businesses, and the funds go back to the school to make uh, make it affordable. So I think maybe their tuition is two thousand something thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of um, faith based schools, Catholic and Lutheran, and they have very good scholarship programs, mm-hmm. and they tend to also uh, subsidize. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then you know you have your regular um, pri- um, private schools. They may not be religiously affiliated, but they also have um, funders, donations, scholarship drives, so they mm-hmm. they support low-income families in particular, mm-hmm. and also middle-class families. I think a lot of times middle-class families are also getting yes. squeezed. Yes, <laughs> they are. Because, yeah, their mm-hmm. income doesn't look, but if you have, you know, mul- you have multiple kids, you have a parent that you're taking care of, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it is complicated. Um, uh, I myself, I've done things like I, I work. I, t- mm-hmm. I actually took a job yep. at, the, at the private school mm-hmm. to help um, mm-hmm. fund and um, my, my child's tuition. Yes. So you do different things to make it work. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And I think we should really highlight the fact that generous scholarships at schools are fairly common. You know, um, when I say generous, you know, you're still going to have to pay a portion of the tuition. Um, but I think most private schools work very hard to try to provide scholarships for those families who really need it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so people should never just think, kind of offhand, there's no way I can do that, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and they don't just look at your income. They look at all your circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have a child in college, you have a parent that you take care of. Um, so that helps. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you're going to be talking, aren't you going to have a talk on... Um, Affordability. Affordability yes. at the expo. Yes, yes. So our first um, our first session is about alternatives to public schools. So we mm-hmm. talk about all the different alternatives, um, private schools, co-ops. Um, there's um, homeschool, homeschool mm-hmm. ac- 
academies, all homeschool co-ops, um, teacher co-ops, all different types of things. Um, our speakers will talk about the second session will be on affordability. Mm-hmm. So how you've decided to now um, pull your kids okay. out of maybe you're going to stay home and homeschool and mm-hmm. how do you manage the affordability? So we'll mm-hmm. be having parents that are actually doing this right now mm-hmm. with the homeschooling or they have the child in private school. Yeah. Talk about the experiences and how they're making it work. Good. That's and then great. the third session would be about some kids just telling their experience. Yes. And in addition, we have booths. So we have about 12 different, um, at least there might be more, yeah. booths from um, different schools, um, homeschool groups, um, you know, just a variety of people coming in, um, uh, groups that help kids, tutoring, all sorts mm-hmm. of things, mm-hmm. so that you're aware of, of the breadth of, of, um, of things that are, that they are out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be great for people. You know, we've mentioned a couple of times homeschooling being another avenue that uh, families may consider. Uh, one of those inadequacies that are perceived specifically is, well, you know, I... I didn't go to school to be a teacher. How do I mm-hmm. how do I educate my children? You know, what would you you know, just to give a little bit of a sneak peek, what mm-hmm. might you say to those families that are being held back by this what they would perceive as an inadequacy? Yes, well we have uh, several parents that are that homeschool and so they will tell you what they do. I mean there's sure. curriculums that are out there. There's even free curriculums. There's schools that offer the free curriculum. There are schools um, there's you may not be full proficient teaching math or, or science. You could do that one subject um, with a co- in a co-op or, you know, um, there's also, you could homeschool part-time and um, join a micro school. I said, mm-hmm. Alfreda's is, yeah, is I was going to have her talk about that yes. in a little bit. Yeah. So, right. yes. yeah. so there's, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to have a full-time, your kid may not be at school full-time, you might homeschool part-time, let's say you're a nurse, you work four days a week or whatever, or three days a week, you know, you could have your child at, at school at that time and then mm-hmm. you homeschool the rest of the time. So that's yeah. how parents make it work. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned briefly that another alternative education that's going to be highlighted is learning pods and micro schools. Um, Alfreda, since you started a micro school, can you talk about those two forms, not just the micro school, but also the learning pods and, you know, kind of what is the difference sure. between the two and how to start them? Yeah, so really, they, they're really, in my mind, isn't a difference. Um, okay. I think the term learning pod came out of the pandemic. Ah, oh. um, okay. So micro schools had been around. Um, kind of the modern version of them had been around since probably 2010, 2015, um, but not particularly Mm -hmm. well-known. But COVID kind of elevated awareness Mm -hmm. of micro schools. And then these learning pods were just sort of um, schools put together on the fly by groups of parents who decided either they didn't want their child going back into a school building because they were concerned about COVID or they didn't want their child learning online because mm-hmm. that just wasn't workable. And so mm-hmm. you just had like little family groups putting together their own little pandemic pods um, mm-hmm. where they could learn together. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the micro school, um, I look at it as a revitalization of the one room schoolhouse, mm-hmm. which was, which was very prevalent across America up until um, 1920s, 30s, okay. when they started to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a small school um, with multi-age students learning together in the same space. Oftentimes, with one teacher, maybe two. You might divide kids up into like a uh, younger age, older age. Like we're we're K through eight, and so I would say we are kind of a lower elementary group and then a upper elementary group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's just a small group of, of kids learning together 
Um, you can have more individual attention because of the small number of students. And um, that means that, you know, if, if you are, well, especially now after the pandemic, when learning loss, I think, has been mm-hmm. so great, you're supposed to be a fifth grader doing fifth grade math, but you're really a third grader because you've missed so much oh. school. Mm-hmm. So, so instead of having to feel stupid because you're in the third grade math class, you're in this class with K through eight. Yeah. And you're just using your math book. Yeah, that's great. That's um, great. Yeah. Yeah. Alfreda, we are out of time here, and I want to make sure that the two of you get in where the expo is, the dates, the time, and where to find more information. Okay. So it is um, April 23rd. <clears throat> I'm sorry. It's a mm-hmm. Saturday. Um, it is, um, I suggest you come around 845. You can start mm-hmm. meeting the booths. We officially start at 9. Okay. And it will, you know, we'll probably go a little bit after noon. Mm-hmm. Um, it is in Oakdale, Minnesota, at the Forefront Technology and Office Campus, 3510 Hopkins Place North in Oakdale, Minnesota. All right. And if you go on our website, the exodusmn.org. Um, you will be able to click on a link and pick up a, a ticket with an event bright ticket, and you can also have the address and all that will be there. Excellent. That's exodusmn.org. The Exodus. The, the Exodusmn.org. Correct. Alfreda and Oradola, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Best you wishes with that expo. Thank you. And uh, we hope that you have a great turnout. Lots of people are looking. Thank so you. thanks for answering the need. Thanks for having us. Good night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.